there and welcome into a new installment of the Career Competitor Podcast with me, Steve Meller, and as always, we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. Very excited today to be welcoming in Gene Rice, the co-founder and chairman of Rice Cohen International to the show. And before we get to introducing Gene properly, let me just tell you quickly about Career Competitor. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, Career Competitor, it's my business. It's a coaching and consulting business that is geared towards optimizing performance. So whatever industry, whatever path of life you come from, in some way, shape or form, there's always an opportunity to be performing at an optimal level. My coaching processes, my training processes, they're all there for you to allow you to move towards that optimal version of yourself in order to facilitate optimal performance. So again, if you're hearing this for the first time, steve at careercompetitor.com is the best thing you can do right now in order to set up a free 30-minute consultation so I can sit down, learn a lot more about your background and then start to discuss with you how I can maybe be of use to either you or your team when it comes to optimizing performance. While I got you here as well, make sure you're clicking on the podcast page that you're on either the five stars on Apple Podcasts or just giving us a follow or some sort of rating on what other podcasting platform you may be listening to is on as well. But for now, let's get to my guest, Gene Rice, again, the founder and CEO of Rice Cohen International. And this opportunity to sit down with Gene is one of those great examples over the course of almost 150 episodes now of the show where his experience is enough to make me just want to shut my mouth and listen. That's it. And he's so full of experience and insight and all these years of applying knowledge, trial and error, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. But he is a student of the world of life. He has been there, seen it done, done it well, done it wrong, learned his lessons along the way. And he's now very much an advocate for those principles towards life. He and his daughter, in fact, have written a book, Grad to Grown Up. Grad to Grown Up, it's 68 tips on how to excel in personal and professional life. So you're going to hear all about the book. You're going to hear all about Gene's story as we go through this particular episode of the show. But one thing I really want you to be encouraged to pay attention to here is that of purpose. So much of what Gene presents here goes back to being purposeful. So if you have been listening to most of the last 147, 148 episodes of the show, you'll know that when it comes to intentions and purpose, we talk about this a lot on the show. It's a huge part of the ingredients of success for anybody working within a competitive field. But as far as Gene is concerned, it all comes back to purpose. So you're going to hear so many examples of that and again, if, uh, if you're listening to this and you do have the ability to be sat down with a pen in hand, take notes. <laughs> Trust me, this is one of those few episodes where I had to go to a second page of notes while Gene was talking. Because again, a student of life, someone who's very much seen it all and so generous just with his, his time and also his insight throughout this episode of the show. So again... Can't wait to get into this, so we won't delay it any further. Let's bring in Gene Rice, the co-founder and chairman of Rice Cohen International to the Career Competitor Podcast, and I hope you all enjoy 
Okay, it gives me great pleasure to welcome in Gene Rice to the Career Competitor Podcast today. Gene, you're at your beach house. How, how's the weather where you are and uh, what are you up to today? I'm in Ocean City, New Jersey. The weather is about 83 degrees, but more importantly, Steve, the water was beautiful yesterday. It was warm. It was calm. A gift from heaven. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Down in Louisiana, I cannot say the same. I, I stay out of the water and I, I stay out of the, the heat too. So uh, the air conditioning is my friend this time of the year. But uh, but Gene, I really appreciate you joining us on the show. I'm really excited at the opportunity, quite frankly, to learn from someone that has not only been there and done it themselves, but very much has been responsible for the recruitment and the placement of so many other success stories in the work that you've done. So instead of me trying to explain any further what it is that you do, Gene, why don't you just go ahead and, and fill everybody in on, on who we're talking to today? Yeah, I am the chairman of Rice Cone International. We are one of the largest executive retained search firms in the world. Uh, I, I've been doing that for over 30 years. And, you know, my passion is being involved in very senior level searches. So I've had the, the blessing to have placed over 1000 C-level executives in my executive search career. My company has placed tens of thousands. I've interviewed tens of thousands. So uh, one of the things that I've been able to identify is how do you identify talents? And one of the messages, Steve, I, I want to share with, you know, your listeners is the, the executives that I've placed, the ones that are most valuable to their companies, to their staffs, to their boards, are the ones that not only have great professional success, but they have personal success in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that you really can't have true professional success without the personal success. That's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, Grad to Grown Up, that just came out, you know? Yeah, and I, I want to get to the book, obviously. And I think for, for me, immediately right off the bat, um, just something about your story that speaks to me is that ability to prioritize both the personal and the professional components of a person's life in order to truly be a success. And I think that's a great place to start here. Like in, in, a, in the view of a man that had, like I said at the outset, has very much been there and done it for a long time. And this is one of life's most difficult questions to answer. So I'm sorry to ask it from the outset, <laughs> but what does it look like to be successful to you? How would you describe that? Listen, my, my greatest success in my life is not only my business success and the great wealth that I've been able to accumulate, but my greatest success in my life is my 39 year marriage, my four children, my four grandchildren that all live within 10 minutes of where I live. Uh, nothing on the professional side would have been achieved without having the personal side. And, and maybe just give you a little a bit of my background, Steve. Yeah. Before I started my search firm, I was with an international, a division of an international Fortune 100 firm. I was with a division of Alcatel. Uh, they were the French telecommunication company. And in seven years, I was promoted five times. I went from sales to sales management to uh, general management to district management. My last position was heading up all East Coast operations. We had offices in every major city up and down the East Coast. My next position would have been the big position. Uh, and I was compensated extremely well. This is the late 1980s. I was one of those six-figure executives. But I will tell you, I had no personal success back then. Mm. The job was the kind of job where I was on an airplane every single day. It was not uncommon for me to be in two cities in one day. I would get home late on a Friday night, and I'd have 86 voicemail messages waiting for me. Yeah. Uh, I made the decision to leave corporate America 
not for anything financial and not for the career not being rewarding, but I just wanted to be home at night. I had young children mm -hmm. and I needed to be home and I wanted to have a little bit more balance in my life. And that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why I opened up an executive search firm. Uh, I had used a lot of search firms myself in building my staff at Alcatel. I thought I could bring some value to it. What I didn't understand, and this is one of the, the, the messages I want to send, the reason why I stayed in the industry for 30 years, Steve, mm. is I found purpose in what I did every day. Meaning, you know, I, I think one of the goals that every human being should have is to find something that gives them purpose, something they're passionate about, and then do it well enough that you can make a living doing it. Mm. So my ability to put executives together with companies, I felt I was really adding value. A lot of these companies were venture-backed or private equity-backed small companies. They were small companies that the CEO that we placed not only would determine how well the firm did, but in a lot of cases, it would determine whether the firm even existed in a couple of years. And probably back then, you know, a lot of the years, more than 50% of them had to move their families from one city to another. Sure. So you, you were moving wives, husbands, children, and I really had to feel that this was going to be a really good match to really support something. And uh, I found purpose in it. And that's why I stayed in it for so long. Yeah. And I, again, there's, and I know this is going to be a, a very common fact in this particular interview, just based on your story. But there's so much of what you're talking about that resonates with me specifically. And I, I know there'll be people listening that feel the same. When it comes to that ability to recognize that personal success has to matter it has to matter for the professional success to even be discussed in the world or in the area that it needs to be necessarily discussed and i think it's not just necessarily being aware of it but it's also recognizing when it no longer has is being held as a priority and that's what you were able to do back then in the late 80s you were able to not only appreciate that this was something you wanted in your life but you're also able to recognize that it was something that wasn't going well, that you needed to actually work on. So when it comes to that level of just presence of mind, that sort of consciousness and awareness of, let's say, an issue at hand that's maybe preventing you from being your best self, which is something we talk about a lot on the show, yeah. talk to me a little bit about how you were able to recognize that back then and maybe how that even serves you even to this day. Well, you know what, Steve? It was easy for me because... <laughs> I was in a hotel every night. <laughs> My wife was on the phone saying, right. I had a tough day today. <laughs> when the heck are you getting home? And I, I'll be home Friday. You know, how early can you not? Right. It's not going to be early. Yeah. Now, you know, and one of the things I, I will talk about, you know, and so many of these executives I placed, if you didn't know the personal side, Steve, some of them are extremely successful. But as I got to know them personally, you found out how many of them were divorced, how many of them very rarely saw their kids. And they might've been really, really successful in the business eyes, yeah. but that piece of it will catch up to you, you know? And, and one of the things I, I, I try to coach young people on, you know, and, and I'll, and, and this is a message I, I, I like to share with you, you know, every year for the last 25 plus years in my company, I would bring four college interns in for eight weeks. We have four of them in this summer. 
And these were really bright kids, Steve. They, you know, they competed probably with another 20, 25 kids to get the four spots, right. you know. And I would bring them in. And I felt if they were going to spend eight weeks in my company, I, as a chairman, needed to give back to them. So I would schedule once a week, a couple of hours with them. I started off as Gene's life lessons. The things I wish I knew going into my senior year in college, all the mistakes I made that maybe I can share with you that might help you avoid some of the potholes of life, you know, and what came out of it, Steve, was all of their questions, all of their questions. Can you talk about this? Can you talk about this? That helped me understand just how ill prepared a number of them were not only for the start their professional careers, but their personal careers, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. The book is 68 tips on how to create a personal and professional life that you can be proud of, you know, but one of the things that came out of it is when I would talk one-on-one, I would take them aside, you know, before the summer was over and I would ask them, why are you going into law? Why do you want to be an engineer? Why do you want to be a CPA? Mm-hmm. The overwhelming theme, Steve, was somebody important in their life, parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, kind of pushed them in that direction, right? But they had very little experience. And and let me give you an example. Two of them went on to two of the best law schools in America. One went to NYU and one went to Boston College. One of them took over six figures in college loans out. You know, in our country, $1.6 trillion in college loans, right? They both graduated in the top 25% of their class. They both went to work for big law firms. Within two years, they came back to me and they absolutely hated what they were doing, Hmm. right? Now, if you were to talk to them, Steve, they had passions. They had things that they were passionate about, but they had absolutely no clue how to even consider pursuing a career in that direction. And one of the things I talk about in the book is, listen, I I want every parent and every grandparent. Yeah, it's perfectly fine to talk to your young adult about a plan B, a backup plan. But if they're passionate about something, our responsibility is to encourage that passion. I don't care if it's starting a a, a lawn service or Mm -hmm. creating video games. Mm -hmm. Why not let them pursue that? Because if my, my experience is if they can figure out how to make a living doing it, you know, uh, their personal relationships are better. Their health is better. The glass isn't half full. It can be overflowing. So let me give you the ending of the story. My daughter, who graduated from Lehigh, she had a double uh, double degree in English and economics. And at Lehigh University, if you graduated, Steve, with a 3.75 GPA or higher, they would pay for your master's degree. So she stayed and they paid for her master's degree. She came to me and said, Dad, I think I want to be a lawyer, right? Because everybody she's graduating from Lehigh is going financial, law, this. Right. Based on my experience, I said, listen, Courtney, slow down. I said, <laughs> let's reach out to a number of boutique law firms around where we live. And let's say, tell them that you're, you're, you're passionate about law. You're thinking of going to law school. You want to come in and work for them for free. That's the key word. Would they bring us in? Would they bring you in for free just so you can get some exposure for what a lawyer is all about before you now dedicate the next three years of your life? Right. So this small firm, Steve, reaches back out to him and says, yeah, I'll bring you in. And this partner was great. 
He exposed her to everything involved with being a lawyer, the research piece of it, the administrative piece. He took her to the courtroom five or six times that summer. When that summer was over, Steve, she came to me and said, Dad, I do not want to be a lawyer. I said, thank God, because I was going to have to, I was going to contribute. Right? I was going to say at some point that, that there is going to be a bill at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? She, she was always passionate about teaching, but she thought that was under her. She thought that wasn't what she was supposed to do. Interesting. And I said, listen, go pursue that. You know, I believe in what Mark Twain said, you know, the two most important days in someone's life is the day you're born, the day you figure out why you were born. Mm. And I, I had a chance to move her out of her classroom last summer, right? And we moved her out and we stopped at the, the Wawa in her town where she teaches to get a sandwich. And three of the young kids working at the Wawa were students of hers. Yeah. And I saw Steve, how they interacted with her. And I, I left there and I said, you're doing exactly what you should right. be. You know, right. you you got purpose in your life. And yeah. and that's the message I want any young adult, you know, go after it. Yeah. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. And why shouldn't you be the one that starts this or does that and, and finds that purpose in your life? Don't wait. The conference board just came out with a survey, Steve. I don't know if you saw it. They interviewed 2000 executives in their 50s. Fifty two percent of them had no job satisfaction in what they did every day. They woke up in the morning and they went to work. Mm -hmm. Don't wait until your 50s to figure that out. Right. Figure it out as young as you can and go for it. Absolutely. I think the the purpose component is something that I'm all about. I literally live that life now in terms of the company that I'm creating for myself. And also this podcast has been that for four years in terms of a purpose that goes far beyond whatever I was doing when I first started. Um, you know, this is an extension of my my truest self, I would say. And I think through that, I can find my passion. Through that, I can find my purpose. So much of showing up as your truest self and in that story of your daughter, that's really what happened there. She was able to come to that realization and say, hey, for me to be purposeful, for me to find my passion, I got to be my truest self. I, You know, I can't allow society to tell me whether something like teaching is either beneath me or above me i have to go and just pursue what i'm passionate about and i'm hearing that in terms of even how you got to know the executives that you were placing into jobs it wasn't just about what their resume said it was about the person behind the resume and when you're talking about when you're talking about executives you're talking about people that are going to directly influence culture you know these are people that their decisions impact culture so with that being said what was the what after 30 years of obviously doing this what has been those common trends if you will of the 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 proof that's in the pudding let's say i like to use that term you know what what is that proof in the pudding when it comes to the executives that you've placed and the way in which they've impacted culture like how effective has that been because of the work you've done behind the resume yeah and and here's the thing i mean when i would interview an executive Right now I'm interviewing. It's, it's, it's an executive retained search. We've been retained by the client. It's a confidential search. Normally, Steve, we're getting paid a lot of money up front. We're, you know, we're interviewing all candidates, external, internal, and making recommendations on the five or six that they need to meet with. Right. Hmm. But when I interview a, an executive and, and this is something maybe some of you listeners, you know, if they're looking at making a move, these are some of the questions they should ask themselves. 
first question I would ask an executive is, you know, tell me when you've been the happiest professionally in your life and what was going on that made you feel that way. Okay. I want to know exactly when they've been happiest and why. What do you like currently about your current firm? You know, what gets you up in the morning? Okay. If I gave you a magic wand and I said to you, you could change anything about your company to make it better, what would you change? Okay. Right. If I gave you a magic wand and said you could create the ideal next position for yourself, what would you create? What would the culture be like? What would the what would the company be doing? What role would you be playing? All right. That just questions like that gives me a snapshot if it's even going to be a potential fit for what my client's looking for. Right. You know, as the interviewing process goes on, Steve, you know, as we take them through assessments and behavior based interviews, you know, at some point, hopefully they're going to feel comfortable enough with me that they're going to open up about the personal side. Mm-hmm. And especially if there's a relocation involved, we would never, ever, okay, the offer is never going out until we have an opportunity to talk to the significant other. Because if you're moving a family, it's not just the executive that's moving, it's everybody. And you need to make sure that everybody's on board and they're on board for the right reasons, right? So, you know, and then every single search was a little bit different because the culture of their company was different. And we had to, you know, that was part of what we had to align. What was their culture? You know, a startup is very different than a Fortune 500. Right. right, a startup is 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 very very different. So, you know, it's after a while you go through, you create the type of interview that you need to create. Each one is unique based on the client, and it, it helps you align to what executive is right. But the personal side is really critical, you know. And I've had, I've I've, I've made suggestions to so many executives that, you know, as I get to know them, and they tell me about the family and missing, you know, the, the soccer game or missing this or missing that. And then knowing that this thing is going to be 120 miles an hour for three or four years, I've, I've strongly helped them. This is not the right one for you. You know, Mm -hmm. not right now at this time in your life, maybe down the road. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that helps my client avoid a bad fit, you know, you know? Yeah. And and so much, so much of what you're saying, like, because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a huge culture person. It, it's part of my it's part of my business, just in terms of consulting and being able to coach people on what culture looks like. And for me, it always begins and ends with the people, because at the end of the day, culture is a representation of the people that are contributing towards it. You know, so if you're if you're looking at someone through a recruiting process and uh, interviewing process, and you're truly getting to know who it is they are, you're now as the person who's who's in charge of this process, you're now able to truly envision, listen, is this going to be a good fit or not? Is this going to be someone that can be that catalyst for the culture that this company maybe needs at this point in time? You know, you can start to put those pieces into place ahead of time and anticipate how this hire is going to truly impact what it is that's coming up. But so much as well about what you're talking about here, Gene, is authenticity. And that authenticity to like, actually connect with someone that you're helping through this process to say I hear you and I see the life that you're living right now and for me the smart thing for you to do is to maybe 
turn this down at this point and look look for something else in the future like that type of authenticity you could just be done you could just be like hey I'm, I'm, I'm done with the process i get paid now but instead you say no listen this isn't the right fit for you and i want to honor both the client and also in terms of the people that i'm recruiting that i want this to be the perfect fit and i'm willing to go above and beyond in order to make that happen and it sounds as though authentically that type of process just comes pretty easy to you yeah it does and listen i i, I want to be totally honest with you you know uh it's the right thing to do but more importantly steve I put the wrong executive into one of my clients. It affects my relationship with that client, right? Absolutely. And a lot of the clients are private equity clients and venture clients. It's not just one search, you know? I'm gonna do everything, my company is gonna do everything to make sure this is a good fit on both sides. And, and you know, and, and the other thing I'll share with you, and, and maybe your listeners might like this, you know, 30 years of doing executive search and all these interviews, I will tell you, there's three things that I think I've identified that really make for not only a good short-term match between an executive and a company, but more importantly, a good long-term match. And, and I think anyone, even a young adult coming into a job, mm-hmm. I encourage them to look for these three things. Number one, if you're going to join this firm, you should feel by joining this firm that you're going to make a contribution. You're going to be able to add value and you should know how you're going to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you're going to make a move, I don't, I don't even, I, I don't care if it's the CEO role. Right. If you're making a move to a new organization, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror a year down the road and say, as a result of joining this firm, I've grown professionally in this, this, and this way. It can't be you contributing but not growing yourself. And that's even more important for the young adults coming out. Yeah. And the third thing, and this is where a lot of young adults miss it, Steve. The first two reasons can be there, hands down, but number three is not there, then it's not going to work and it's going to end pretty quickly. You should not only respect the person that you report to directly Mm -hmm. and the people you're going to be rubbing shoulders with every day, but you should like them enough that if you had to go out and break bread with them, you wouldn't dread doing it. Mm -hmm. The people aspect is critical. And sometimes people don't spend enough time getting a feel for that. You know, understanding what's expected of them. Is this a relationship that's going to add value? Is this boss going to help me grow professionally? If you don't like them, you're not going to stay no matter how much you're contributing and no matter how much you're growing. Yep. Now, these are are three principles to just to live life by never mind never mind <laughs> sort of make a decision on a specific role um you know these are three things that i i can proudly say that i aspire to have within my world um each and every day and and so this is this is incredible stuff and i have to get to the book at this point and you know it's 20 22 minutes into this chat and uh, i could have easily gotten to the book earlier but selfishly i just wanted to learn a little bit more from eugene <laughs> but in terms yes. of the book Again, present the book to us one more time, but then also just dive a little bit more into everything that it's about. All right. So, so this book, you know, honestly, it's, uh, you know, it's something that I wanted to write. People have been encouraging me to write it, right? It's based on, first of all, all the young people that I've had exposure to. There's stuff in this book that everyone can get. It's about my life, all the mistakes I've made that maybe people can learn from to avoid some of the potholes in life. But there's, you know, it goes through like, there's five sections of it. There's life, there's job search, there's career, there is uh, personal finance, 
and there's health and relationships. So just quickly, uh, you know, you know, I'll tell you, uh, I got an email last week from a, a young lawyer out of New York who just read the book. Right. And he said, I read your book and I just put in a 14 hour day and I stopped at a restaurant to get a bite to eat before I, I go home. And uh, he goes, I'm sitting there by myself and I'm finishing my meal. And there's an older gentleman drinking a beer at the bar. And one of the chapters in the book, one of the tips is talk to the oldest person in the room, Steve, and how much you can get from that conversation. And it lists a number of questions you can ask an older person. And he goes, you know, I just read your book. So I, I read that chapter. I figured I'll give it a shot. So after I finished eating, I went and I sat down next to this old man and I bought a beer and I started asking him some of your questions. And he said, I'm, I'm reaching out to you because two and a half hours later, I left that bar and it was one of the best nights of my life. Wow. The gentleman was a retired senior writer from the Johnny Carson show. Oh and gosh. the stories he told me, he goes, I was rolling. I, I couldn't sleep. He goes, and I never would have sat next to him if I hadn't read the book. So there's 68 things like that. Now, hmm. I will tell you, young people, right? And this is something to, to create that, that life we talk about, to be that ultimate competitor. There's a chapter in the book that I think helps people that maybe, you know, that I've identified. Before you can become the best version of yourself, we are all raised a certain way, right, Steve? I don't know about you, but I was one of six kids and there was a lot of dysfunctional things in my family, right? Yeah. At some point, right? You have to recognize the baggage and you have to identify what baggage do you want to leave behind and not take forward, you know? And there's a chapter in the book about leave the baggage behind that just talks about, hey, listen, a lot of great stuff we all bring out of how we were raised, but we all have some certain things that unless you identify, this is not something I want to pass on to my kids, you're going to pass it on. So there's a chapter, leave the baggage behind. Yeah. The personal finance stuff with all these young adults and these interns I was working with, they didn't know how to just set up a budget for themselves. You know, I, I talk about how I created great wealth and, and, and how every month there's a way I would track my net worth. It started when there was no net worth. It was just debt. You know, <laughs> how, how did I go from debt to having something, you know, right. and I, I give them my system. I talk about the stock market. You know, most kids don't understand it. And a real simple way, if you got a 401k, here's what you do with it. Take, don't even look at it. Just leave it alone. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and all so the personal finance stuff is there. Uh, you know, you don't invest in something you don't truly understand. So, the book came out, it was the number one, and I didn't write it this way, the publishers wanted me to, but it came out on Amazon as the number one selling book globally for job interviewing skills. Wow. And like I said to you, Steve, I think another goal every human being should have is in your world that you came from sports, it's, it's becoming an Olympic athlete. In my world, it's becoming a grandmaster of interviewing, mm -hmm. meaning... You, th there's, there's a skill involved. And yeah. unlike the Olympic athlete that has to invest 10,000 hours, I take them through the book. There's five key things. If you're learning these five key things, right, you can become a grandmaster. And why mm -hmm. is that so important to be a grandmaster? When you finally found that job that you really are passionate about and you want, you're most likely competing against four or five other really strong candidates. 
Right. The grandmaster is the one who gets offered the job, number one, and my experience has been who gets paid higher once offered the job. <laughs> so why not become a grandmaster? You know, right. so it, it, it goes, it, it's 68 tips. It's things that I feel I wanted to pass on. And the feedback I'm getting from people is, God, I love this. And if you get two or three tips out of it, right? Right. And it's been worth it. I, I call it, it's, it's one of my favorite books. I, I call it a bathroom book. You know why? You go into the bathroom, Steve, you read, you read a tip, you put it down, you come back a week later, you right. don't even got to read it in order. You read right. what's important to you in your life, you yeah. know? Yeah, and I, I love books like that. And and one of the first things I'll be doing after we're done here is, is probably buying the book. <laughs> so, you know, just for just listening about the the competitive element though that you mentioned here of the need to recognize the baggage first and foremost before you can really start that process towards your best self, your truest self, your most authentic self, however you want to put it. I I mean that speaks to me so much. Uh it, it, it does because for me personally I am where I am today because of that exact decision to do that. You know, willingness to say, listen, there's some stuff about me that I'm not comfortable with and I need to figure out. And the best part about my story when it comes to that is the day that I decided to do that, one month later, I met my wife. So that the, the beauty that that's the power of something like that is that, you know, if you're willing just to just to press pause, just press pause on life just for a little bit and look in the mirror and check in and say, listen. What am I seeing? What am I liking? What am I maybe not liking? Is you know what 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 does that discussion look like? How how much am I loving myself these days? If it's not that much, then there's maybe some work to do, you know. And I think that's very much what you're speaking to here. Yeah, absolutely. That willingness to check in, and um, it really does. It really does set you up to find that competitive self within right. you, wouldn't you say? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah. the one thing, Steve, I also want to pass on to you is all. I've been mentoring in, you know, all these young adults for so many years. And I don't, I, I didn't share this with you, but my wife and I in 2008 started the charity called the Planner Seed Inspire a Dream Foundation. Oh, and it was all based on, we had four kids. Three of our four kids found that thing they were passionate about, right? The one who did, never found that thing probably struggled the most in their teenage years. Hmm. What does that passion do for a young person? It builds their self-esteem, right? It gives them positive role models in the coach or the guitar teacher or the art teacher. Depending on the passion, it connects them with like-minded kids so it develops friendships. Well, when you get exposure to some of the underserved youths, the single parents, their children have the exact same passions my kids had. But the financial resources weren't there for them to go take a karate lesson, to take a drum lesson, to go do cheerleading. We step in and we've helped over 800 kids now. Wow. We will, uh, we will take that kid. We'll find them. We had a couple of swimmers. We find, we find the swimming coach yeah. or we find a guitar teacher. We put them together. We talk to them. We interview them. We meet with them, you know, live. We touch base with them once a month and we give them an annual scholarship and we knew it. Right. So I got exposure to all of those, those kids. Right. Any financial reward coming from this book for me personally, Grad the Grown Up, is going, being donated directly from the publisher to the charity to help more kids, right? Incredible. So it, it's all about that. But with young adults, two things I found, and I'd be curious if you find it. Some of the young adults I coach and mentor, I have to talk to them about how to show up once they get the job. 
<laughs> and and what that means. I mean, you can't take the elevator to success. You got to take the stairs, right? And trying to explain to them what that means, taking the stairs. You know, I I had a conversation with a young man who got hired in, you know, by one of the big four, coming out. And he was so happy and he was, he was already talking about, and I wonder how much vacation time I get, you know, and I'm like, wait a second. I want to explain something to you. You were hired and they probably hired 200 more kids just as bright as you. Mm -hmm. Within four years, they're going to keep all, all 200 of you have four years. At the end of those four years, they're going to move you up or move you out. You don't want to be one they're moving out. Let me explain right. to you what you have to do to be one of them that you have to. And talking about vacation before you had your first day, that's probably not the first thing I would bring up. Right? Amazing. Go read the HR package you got. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but then there's other kids, and I will tell you this, Steve, and you've probably seen this because you dealt with a lot of these high potential athletes. Some of them are so laser focused. Yeah. that I have to explain to them, listen, you got to take a deep breath and you have to identify your linchpin. And like, what the hell's a linchpin? I'm like, a linchpin is a small pin that keeps the wheel in place. The pin, if, the, if the pin falls out, the wheel collapses, you don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So you are so focused, but I want you to identify what you need to do every day, every week that keeps the pin and the wheel in place. What does that mean for you? Does that mean you have to exercise? Does it mean you have to meditate? Does it mean you have to have some family time? You are so laser focused. I need you to identify that. And I need you to identify when you're going to do that. Yeah. So you can stay on this fast track of corporate America. Because if you don't do that, you're going to burn out. And you're not going to be any good to anyone, but most importantly, yourself. Mm -hmm. So I, I have them in both, both directions, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know you would, yeah. Yeah, and, and to, to sort of, you know, hear your curiosity and, and, and very much confirm it, you know, I, I, I've seen so much of that over the years, especially what I, a big part of why I even started this podcast, never mind moved into the world I'm in now, but, you know, kids coming back after they've graduated from university and telling me about what life is like after they're done with college. And so much of it was literally just sitting them down and going over very similar principles to the two that you just mentioned in terms of just, but one thing I always like to say too, is that competitor, that narrow-minded competitor, let's say that you were in the pool, that's not going to serve you very long in the real world, because at some point you're going to need help. At some point you're going to need someone to rely upon and you're going to need the type of relationships that can really help you. So similar to the linchpin uh, analogy that you gave there at some point something's got to give something's got to give and and sadly it will probably be you it will probably be you that has to give it will be you that buckles something about you will collapse and, and and you won't be the same for it so you have to start focusing on what it means to be a little bit more open-minded to maybe a little bit of help here and there uh but go ahead a lot of them steve you know like i try to explain to them and this is and this is one of the chapters in the book once you get hired your job and your responsibility is to create mentors. Exactly. Right? And a lot of times, depending on the size of the company, that person that you create that relationship with, that mentoring relationships will determine whether you move up, you know? So your job and these senior people aren't going to come to you. It's your responsibility to create that. And how do you create it? I have to like walk them through. These are the steps to create that mentorship. 
And I'm like, listen, I, I, you know, so the interns that came into my, my office this, this summer, first day, I, I tell all of them, I said, listen, you're doing an internship in an executive search firm here. If you don't come out of these eight weeks with these three things, you failed the internship. <laughs> Number one, you're doing an internship in an executive search firm. When it's over, you should be able to answer two questions for yourself. Did I enjoy what I was doing? Could I see myself being successful doing this? And if the answer is no, that's okay. That's why you did an internship. Sure. But if it's yes, maybe this can give you that purpose we're talking about. Right. Right. Number two, your responsibility this summer. There's a lot of senior people here. They're going to be extremely busy. But if you reach out to them, they will schedule time. They will go to lunch. When you leave this internship, if you don't have created mentorships and relationships where maybe someone would talk to you as a reference, mm then you failed this internship. And the third thing, if you leave this eight weeks and you're not a grandmaster of interviewing, your family and friends at college should be begging you, can you prep me for this interview? Right. What should I do here? Right. I said, you're gonna hear this. We have them role playing so when they leave, but you need to develop this skill. And that's what, you know, and, and then I say, if you, if you go somewhere else, I sit them down and I try to talk to them about, listen, you have to learn the skill of managing your manager. Hmm. What does that mean? Every manager has different things they're looking for. Your responsibility is to understand exactly what's most important to them and make sure you never miss that. I can give you an example. I have one of these interns who went into a, uh, a sales role. Ended up letting the kid go, and he was doing great. He was over quota. You know why he let him go, Steve? Mm. The kid couldn't get his expense reports in on time. The yeah. most important thing to his manager, I need those expense reports every week. Yep. Four or five weeks later, after three or four warnings, he and this was his money. I'm yep. like, that, that should have been the easiest thing that you would right. do. It. You know? <laughs> See, manage your manager. That's right. If they're asking you the same thing. You know, so it's just, uh, and we talk about that in the book too, Grad to Grad yeah. Up. And, and I want your audience to know if, if they go to the website, grad2grownup.com, mm -hmm. they can download some of the chapters for free. All right. That's awesome. Grad, so it's G R A D T O grownup.com. And I also want your audience to know if there's anyone out there listening who's going through a tough time financially right now. And they can't afford the book, but they think the book can help them. Just send me an email and I'll send them the book for free. Okay. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful yes. gesture, Gene. And I just want people to hear as well that everything that you just referenced here in the last couple of minutes, it all starts with purpose. You know, people talk about managing the manager and networking and loving what you do and learning from what you do and being able to share the great things that you do with others. It all starts with purpose. It all starts with purpose. If you have that, then you have that desire, that initiative to go and do so many of these things that you're referencing here. And uh, again, for anybody that missed it, gradtogrownup.com. And I'm going to put all this information in the show notes. I'm going to put Gene's email in the show notes as well, just so you've got that ability to connect with him. Uh, but, you know, what's funny is these are the type of episodes, Gene, frankly, that if, if we had another 45 minutes, we'd just keep on rolling. Uh, I know you're a busy man. And, and, and to be honest with you, I try to keep my episodes to about 40 minutes anyway. So we've already gone past and that's totally fine. But at the same time, Gene, you're, you're just 
generosity of, of sharing here today uh, is just something that I, I'm so appreciative for and consider myself uh, you know, privileged to, to have this opportunity to sit down, learn from you, listen to you. And I know so many listeners are going to feel the same way. So thanks again for the generosity of time, for joining me on the show, and, and just best of luck with everything moving forwards. Thanks for having me. You take care of yourself, my friends. And my thanks again to Gene for joining us on the show. We ran a little bit longer than our normal sort of 38 to 40 minute length of episode today, but I'm going to make an exception for Gene because quite frankly, we probably could have gone another 40 minutes with the amount of information and insight that man has to offer. But the the, the one thing I'll do here is I'll make it quick in terms of my final thoughts. And really the one thing, if there was anything that I would really like to stress to those of you listening here is this idea of seeking opportunities to get an experience of the world that you want to work within. You know, he gave some great examples there, arguably the best one being for his daughter of just the importance of going out and trying something before before you maybe overcommit. So before you get three, four, five years into an education process, and then you go and get work experience only to find that you don't necessarily enjoy what it is you've sunk so many resources and hours into by that point. Why not just go get some experience? Go find some real-life examples of what it might be like to get in this world that you feel that you want to be a part of. Get that confirmation before you overcommit. Because then you have this incredible purpose, going back to that word that I addressed in the introduction, purpose to what it is you're doing now. If you know you absolutely want to do this, if you have the confirmation that you're going down a path that is right for you, just think just think of the endless purpose that you'll feel throughout that process. There'll be no doubt that will completely vanish and all that will be left is purposeful, intentional actions to serve you towards performing at your optimal self, working towards optimal performance, and certainly having a very successful career for yourself in the process as well. So again, keeping it short, stopping right there, really encouraging you if you are someone who is either considering a certain path or maybe you feel as though there's opportunities elsewhere that you've yet to consider, go get the experience, go find out if this is in fact the world that you want to work within. But for now, I'll just wish you well on your way. Be sure to click that fifth star on your way out. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Let your friends know all about it. Leave some sort of a rating. Shoot me an email, steve at careercompetitor.com to let me know what you thought of the episode. All of the above, whatever it may be, best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to doing this all again with you very soon. Bye for now.